You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Medical Imaging, a program discussing the latest innovations in clinical radiology and imaging technologies. Your host is Dr. Beverly Hashimoto, ultrasound section head of Virginia Mason Medical Center in Seattle, Washington. For decades, mammography has dominated the detection of breast cancer. In the last few years, many improvements in breast imaging have been introduced into medical practice. Have these new techniques changed this long-standing diagnostic paradigm? With me today is Dr. Donna Kramer. Today we are discussing the radiologic identification of breast masses. Breast cancer has become one of the most high-profile diseases of our society. This is due to the fact that breast cancer is extremely common. American women have about a 12% lifetime risk of developing breast cancer. This high prevalence has resulted in patient anxiety and has fostered an increased need for physician understanding of this disease. Dr. Kramer is former Deputy Chief of the Department of Radiology of Virginia Mason Medical Center in Seattle, Washington. She is currently the Radiology Quality Assurance Officer and Section Head of the Radiology Department Patient Access Area. She has about 20 years of clinical and research experience in breast cancer imaging. Because of her administrative roles, Dr. Kramer has a unique perspective. She is not only able to discuss the academically correct methods of identifying breast masses, but she is also able to discuss the practical, cost-effective aspects of breast mass detection. Thank you, Dr. Kramer, for being able to discuss this topic of breast masses. I guess my first question is the same one that I started with, and that is, what is the role of mammography today in detecting breast cancer and breast masses? Well, mammography is still the first and foremost method in detecting breast cancer. It's still the only thing we use for screening patients on a regular basis, and it's still the way that most breast masses are detected. So it's still the first thing in our arsenal. But ultrasound has really joined the forefront in probably the last 10 years or so, I think. So when do you use mammography and ultrasound? Well, mammography we use for screening patients, as we said, but when we detect something on a screening mammogram, often we'll bring the patient back in, do some extra mammographic pictures, and then look at the area with ultrasound. Or if a patient presents with a breast mass, we'll do a diagnostic mammogram looking at the area of concern and then almost always look at those patients with ultrasound as well. So if the breast mass is not seen by ultrasound, for example, if it's palpable, what are the next steps? Well, it really depends on the level of suspicion. Most of the time, a breast mass that we're evaluating is just a prominent ridge of tissue or an area that contains more glandular tissue than the rest of the breast. And we can be pretty satisfied that there's really nothing there to worry about. And the negative predictive value of ultrasound in a palpable abnormality is very high. But if there's a very suspicious finding or uh, finding in a very high-risk patient, then we may want to send the patient back for evaluation by their provider or send them on to a surgeon to let the surgeon assess the area and biopsy it by palpation if that's felt to be warranted. How does digital mammography interface with the technique of regular mammography is done today? Is it better or worse in terms of detecting masses? 
Well, the, most of the literature says that they are just about equivalent. Digital mammography basically uses the same technology. We're still using x-rays. We're still detecting the x-ray that's transferred through the breast, but it's the detection method that's a little bit different. We use a digital detector with digital mammography rather than the old film screen combination. So it's our ability to manipulate the image and to bring out the inherent contrast. It's probably, digital mammography is probably slightly better in women under 50 and women with very dense breasts and in perimenopausal women just because of that ability to increase the contrast. But if the alternative is not having a mammogram versus trying to find somewhere to have a digital mammogram, a film screen mammogram will still detect the vast majority of things that we'll find on a digital mammogram. Now, when we talk about these new modalities, certainly one of the things we think about is breast MRI. What is the role of MRI in the detection of breast masses? Well, right now, the use of breast MRI has been recommended by the American Cancer Society in patients who have a significantly increased lifetime risk of developing breast cancer. And that really means women who have certain very unusual syndromes, women who are proven to be carriers of either of the two breast cancer genes, women with a very strong family history. The problem with MRI is that it's, number one, very expensive. It's very sensitive. It finds a lot of things, but it's not very specific. So many of the things that it finds are not cancer. And in patients who are very low risk of developing cancer, the majority of the things that we find with MR requiring additional workup, often to the point of biopsy, will end up being benign. So we need to select our patients for breast MR very carefully. At this point, then, the main screening modalities obviously are mammography, and then we've talked about MRI. Is there any role for ultrasound in screening? Well, there are papers that suggest that we will increase our detection rate of breast cancer, again, particularly in women with very dense breasts, by using screening breast ultrasound. The difficulty there comes in both delivering the technology to the patients. I mean, the logistics of screening breast ultrasound in a huge population really haven't been dealt with because breast ultrasound requires hands-on, real-time scanning by people who are trained in looking at the whole breast real-time and then taking images of just what looks abnormal. We also don't have great criteria for what's suspicious on a screening breast ultrasound. We know what to do with a mass that we can feel or that we can see on a mammogram, but the criteria are completely different when you're talking about screening a breast with ultrasound. For those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to Advances in Medical Imaging on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Beverly Hashimoto, and I'm speaking with Dr. Donna Kramer. We are discussing the radiologic identification of breast masses. So you were discussing about some of the findings or the difficulty in identifying whether a mass is abnormal or not on modalities. Perhaps we could go back and review what are the accepted criterion for a suspicious mass on mammography? Well, you have to remember that really the target for ultrasound has been 
be as certain as possible that a mass is not cancer. So basically you're saying these are the features of a benign mass, and basically that's smooth, well-defined margins. We're looking for a mass that is wider than it is thick. We're looking for the absence of shadowing from the mass, very specific ultrasound criteria, but those criteria are designed so that we never miss a cancer. And there are lots and lots of benign masses that don't fulfill all the criteria we require to say that they're benign. So when you're looking at a mass you found on a mammogram, if it has all benign features, then we feel pretty comfortable following it with ultrasound. But if we're screening a breast, many of the benign findings we'll find in that breast are not going to fulfill all the criteria to be a benign mass. And if we continue to use those criteria, we'll be biopsying a lot of benign abnormalities in the breast. And we don't want to do that. And patients certainly don't want to have a needle stuck in their breast if it's not going to really improve their outcome. So what you're saying then is is that in order for us to feel comfortable that something is non-cancerous, then we would expect that it would look benign both on mammography and on ultrasound. Is that correct? The criteria by mammography have been proven for a long time. So a smooth, well-defined mass that is either there on an initial screening mammogram or in retrospect has been there and is stable. We can follow on the basis of the mammographic criteria alone because we have tens of thousands of patients that have been followed for years and we know that those criteria are benign. We have not quite established the same criteria with ultrasound. But again, this is when we're using it in a diagnostic capacity, not in a screening capacity. So the difficulty becomes if we see a mass on ultrasound and we don't have any kind of mammographic correlate, the problem is then what to do. That's the issue with screening. Is that correct? Exactly right. I mean, the way that I think of it is when you're doing a screening breast ultrasound, you're looking for something that looks like cancer. So you're trying to pick out the things that look malignant. When you're doing a diagnostic ultrasound, you're trying to prove that the finding is benign by all criteria. And so it's a completely different way of coming at a breast ultrasound. The problem then we're facing in terms of screening, when we look at all the modalities, is that first of all, all of them have very different criteria, and unfortunately, many times they don't overlap. The same lesion isn't seen on multiple modalities. Is that the problem? And sort of what do we do about them? Yeah. That's exactly right. And we don't have a long history in applying these techniques to big populations and seeing how often are we going to recommend that a patient has a biopsy and how often is that biopsy going to show cancer. We have very well-established criteria with mammography. We know how often we can expect a patient to be called back from a screening mammogram, how likely we are to find a cancer, how many benign biopsies we do for every malignant biopsy. But we haven't established those things yet for ultrasound. So what is your recommendation for women, for example, who are young, who are under the screening age, but perhaps do have a very high risk? Are they still in the category of having mammography or should they be having ultrasounds, particularly if there's a palpable lump? Well, first, I think that they need to establish that they really are at high risk. A lot of patients perceive themselves at being at a high risk to have breast cancer when really their family history is is not sufficient to really put them in the high risk category that we would routinely use MR for, say, 20 to 25 percent 
lifetime risk. So really the first thing they probably need to do is sit down with somebody who's really qualified to help them assess what their risk really is. We have given that role to a nurse practitioner who is a genetic counselor to deal with patients about that. So then they can sort of balance their lifetime risk with the risk of the all the anxiety that can be provoked by a mammogram as MRs and all of the attendant testing. But we do recommend that patients have their first screening mammogram 10 years before the youngest person in their family develop breast cancer. So if your mother had developed breast cancer at 40, you should probably start screening mammography at 30. Well, this has been a very interesting discussion about the radiographic diagnosis of breast cancer. My thanks to Dr. Donna Kramer, who has been our guest. We hope that you have enjoyed this discussion. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, now featuring podcasts of this and other featured series. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Advances in Medical Imaging. For more details on this week's show or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.